Now, this may be a shocker to you, but I like to eat. I mean, like, not just eat for fuel, but I just like to eat for pleasure. How many of you do that? Not just fuel, which I know they say, just eat for fuel. Who came up with that? You know, I want to eat for pleasure, okay? And so I got this text this week from Bailey that just kind of may change my life. Can you show that for me real quick? Now, who can beat that? Two of my most favorite things in life, Dr. Pepper and Bluebell ice cream. That's quite a team. Nobody else thought that was cool? Not one person in here thought that was awesome besides me. Come on now. Come on. You can take that down. It has nothing to do with the message, so here we go. But kind of does. We're going to talk about, as you can see here, a little bit about food today. I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, but I want to set up the few verses I'm going to read here. And it's the Apostle Paul writing, and he's basically talking about the impact that he is having uh, in, in, in writing to Corinth, the impact he is having in the places he's going, the evangelistic opportunities he's having. And he reminds those he's writing to that, that the enemy is up to stuff. He's got schemes. We're, we're, un, we're not unaware of what he's up to. But he goes on to say, but God is opening up doors. He is opening up spaces for us. Then he says these three verses. He, well, he says this. Let me say this. But the other thing he says, I don't want to forget this because it's really important. In verse 8, I don't have it up there, but he says, I urge you, therefore. He's talking about all this, but I urge you, therefore. In other words, what I've already said, we know that. What, what's it there for? What I've already said to you, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. With what I just said, I urge you, I beg you, Reaffirm your love for him. So here we are in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. He said, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing of aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And he and who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to such a task? For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. The fragrance or the aroma of Christ. And this picture here, as I've set it up, the people who are hearing this in this moment understand way more than what we understand, unless you've already done study on it. They understand when they talk about the aroma or the fragrance. For the Jews, it's easy, right? It's, it's in the temple and the fragrances and an aroma that are coming out of there and that are pleasing to God. They would, have, they would have understood that, but so would the pagans. So would the Gentiles, because they did the same thing to their gods. They would, they would have these fragrances and aroma that would go up, and people would know that they're, they're, they're sending those up to their God. And Paul's making a point here, and that, so the crowd would have understood part of that, but, but that's not the whole point that Paul's making, because what he says is a triumphal procession. And what else they would have understood was 
was that when the Roman soldiers, when the Roman army went off and they defeated someone, they came back in with this procession. And what they would have on them is flowers and there would be incense uh, burning to, the, to their gods and they would have all of these flowers and there would be this fragrance that's consuming the city wherever it was and it's consuming it and everybody that's in the procession everybody that's on the sidelines are breathing this in they're smelling it and inside of that procession are prisoners and at the end of that procession most of them are going to be executed. So to one, it is the smell of victory. To the other, it is the smell of death. Paul says, who is up to such a task? Great question, right? Who is going to march in this triumphal procession as if they have this confidence that we are already victorious, we've already won? Who's going to walk that way? Who's going to march down the street and there is this fragrance and aroma that fills the air? Who is equal to such a task? And Paul's, I think, implying is nobody. And he's also asking the question, and I think we've talked about here often. It seems like the only plan that Jesus left with was to his disciples and everybody that would follow as being the instruments to bring people to him. Outside of the Holy Spirit wooing them. And Paul is just reminding us here who is equal to such a task. In other words, I don't know of anybody, I don't know of anything you could do to use this as a plan. However, God decided to use us. And I've said over and over, it seems like a terrible plan. We're flawed. No matter how long we've been following Jesus, we're still flawed. And you're going to use broken, often dysfunctional, Out of that's going to come in an aroma that is pleasing to God? And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, he says, now that, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. You go, well, of course that's what it says. No, you need to hear it. Our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Now let me say this. I've said this over and over. He talks about it again in 2 Corinthians. You have been given the ministry of what? Reconciliation. You have a ministry. You go, what is my ministry? Well, your ministry, the overarching umbrella is reconciliation. Reconciliation back to God yourself, bringing others back to God, you back to others, and back to your divine purpose. God is reconciling all that. That's what happened. That's what happened on the cross. It's more than you got your sins forgiven. He is bringing you back. Thank <laughs> you. 
We've mentioned it often in the last series, Ephesians 3.20. Because the, the definition here of fragrance and aroma that, that is being used here is our efficiency in which the power, and this is Strong's uh, lexicon, okay, so, just so you know the, the Greek translation here, uh, our efficiency in which the power of Christ himself is at work in us that is well-pleasing to God. That's the aroma. What do we talk about often in Ephesians 3.20? According to the power that is at work within you. He who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. What? According. But Paul's consistent, right? I mentioned I like food. Friday night, well, yesterday we had a uh, Kentucky Derby something, a vibrant ministry, women's meal with hats and all that kind of stuff here. I didn't see any scratchers or lottery tickets, but anyway, we, we were good on that, but they did have the sign of it. But no, we didn't have that. We weren't advertising horse racing, so those of you disclaiming all that up front. But what happened, though, was my lovely wife that y'all know, Jan, she's a phenomenal cook, and she doesn't know how to say no. So you combine those together. It's good for us, not good for her, okay? It's always good for us. So she cooked the, I think it was chicken and, 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 and pork. I'm guessing what it was, or just one or the other, huh? or both. Just pork. Just, I don't care. It's, you follow it. Okay. I can't hear you. You're either going to speak up, or I can't, I can't read lips. So it's neither one. Pork. It's pork. We're from Arkansas. We already talked about Arkansas. We're all good, okay? You put pork in three crock pots, and there's three crock pots full. One in the house, I think. Actually, it was in the garage. This is how powerful it is. Put three of these in our garage, and it smelled up the whole house. The house. Not just the garage, but the house. Now, often when you smell pork being cooked like that slow cooked and that aroma is just filling up the house if you're about to eat it it's great but at three o'clock in the morning when you're trying to sleep not so good agree agree right that's the reason why it's in the garage and it still didn't help we have our house on the market right now we we partly took it off the market for a half a day just to get the smell out of our house True, a true statement, right? That's a true statement. We go, we can't have anybody come and look at our house right now smelling like pork. It just won't work. Especially, and again, if you're about to eat the pork, great. If you don't get to participate, it stinks. But one thing about slow cooking, I don't know if Jan could have put it in the microwave and tried to cook that big old slab of pork and it might have got good enough to where you could eat it, but it wouldn't have been any good, right? But there was something about that eight, seven or eight hours where it just kind of soaks it, just kind of saturates it. I like food. I like it at times where I'm, I'm in a hurry and I use a microwave. But what I have figured out about microwave 
it is best used for reheating and convenience. Now, I put my coffee in there. I don't like cold coffee. I drink black coffee. I don't like it cold. Once it gets cold, I'm putting it in the microwave. Boom, 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 over and over. So much that our granddaughter, our two-year-old granddaughter the other day, and sometimes I'll leave it in there and forget it. So the next morning I'm going, oh, there's my coffee from yesterday that I left in the microwave. Anybody ever done that? But our two-year-old granddaughter, they heard the microwave beep. She goes, G-Pop's coffee? So that's how much I heat up my coffee. It's become a thing in our family for whatever reason. Okay, so my granddaughter knows what it is. But microwaves are really good for certain things. But when it comes to things that need to be slow cooked, that take an extensive amount of time, you might get a meal, but it won't be very good and it sure won't be the full potential of what it should have been, not even close. And if you want to go even further, go to the slow, let's go to this cooker, smoker, right? Yeah, I called my expert, Jason Layton. Hey, Jason, I don't know if you're here. Shout out to you if you're listening at home. How long does it take to smoke a brisket? Hour to hour and a half for every pound at the right temperature, at the correct temperature, not just at any temperature, at the correct temperature. And what's so awesome when you have one of these sitting outside the house, the whole neighborhood knows you're doing it, right? It's permeating everything. But what's so awesome about it is the reason why you don't rush it because you know at the end of that smell, at the end of that time, there is something pretty awesome about to happen. Salvation. There's preparation for salvation, but it happens in a moment. In a moment. Some of you in here this morning, it's just recently happened. We're about to celebrate it. Some of you, it's been a while since it has, but we're about to celebrate it. Some of you in here this morning came with the intention maybe just to support a friend or loved one, or you just walked in and just said, I need to go to church today. But there's been some marinating going on. Preparation for what? The moment. You may be here today, and in the middle of all the things we're doing, and we may make light and I may make jokes, but never, ever think that I don't take this serious. That in a moment, has already been prayed up here and talked about. I think prayed not in here, in there, Pastor Brandon. That potentially generations change in a moment. Like that. You were headed that way. Now you're headed that way. But sanctification and transformation happens over a lifetime. You can't rush that. You can step into it.
That's the reason why we've used the ladder all these years. Again, at the foot of the cross, for many of you today, the ground's level, as Billy Graham says, I think. That's who it is. I better look that up one of these. I keep giving you credit. There's no caste system here. There's no social structure here. Everybody comes at the same place. There's, and, and, and there are men and women, young and old, Jew and Greek. And then that moment when he comes into our life and he stretches us to take that next step. And sure, we're going to heaven. And here's the thing we challenge often here at Renovation. And I know different people look at it different ways. When you came to know Christ, that wasn't just a transaction where you're going to heaven now and now you're in and you don't have to worry about going to hell. It is to be transformation. So that means you continue to grow. And that's the reason why often many of you are wanting something so bad, but you've not let the marinating happen in between. You want to microwave it. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. It comes to relationships much the same way, right? Sure, I run into people each day that I, I interface with that I might, it depends on if it's a contractor at times when we flip houses or whatever it is, I may not be looking to have a long-term relationship and I have a quick trying to microwave relationship, get to know each other quickly and you move on. Because the reality is, right, we're all human beings, we're limited, we are limited on how many deep relationships we actually can have. We're limited. We can have a lot of relationships, but deep, soul-connecting relationships, it's hard to have a bunch of them. And what happens is, that's the reason why in South, with our relationship with the Lord, often we go, man, I got in. I was so excited. Everything was going great. Now this happened. Now look what happened. I wanted to trust you, Lord. Where were you? You give up. He wasn't who he said he was. Many of you know, I say over and over, don't give, don't give up, get up. When we stumble, get up. When you have these trials, get up. Don't give up. Because that's part of the process. It may be part of your stretching. It may be part of the very thing that God is doing in your life to take you to that next place. It very well may be the thing that you're, that you're running from, that very well be the thing you need to embrace. Because he's slow cooking you. He's taking you somewhere. I, I know in leadership... As I lead this church board and as I lead this church and I lead this staff and, 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 and lead my family, I am convinced of this. 
that there will be a point, including my family, maybe even my spouse, but especially my kids, decisions, and I have been over the years, decisions that will need to be made, and I will end up having to make the decision that I cannot paint a pretty enough picture or a good enough picture for them to see the future. So all they're going to base it on is all the chips I've put in before. And what they're going to base it on is the life I've lived up to that moment. There may be a day coming for this church where I've just got to ask you, you got to trust me on this one. You just got to trust me. And the question is, have I lived a life with enough influence chips and enough pile in the, in pushed into the middle of the table that I can spin those chips at that point? Because if I try to microwave a situation that should be slow cooked, we're all in trouble. And my salvation... It is going to take a lifetime to be where you want to be because I don't even know where you want to be because you don't know where you want to be. Because if you're, if you're directed by the Spirit, if the church is going to be on fire, we can't just set our parameters and go, that's what I want, God. Because he may be taking you to a place. Matter of fact, let me tell you this. As we do this, this is an eight-footer today, so it's not near as bad, right? Aren't you glad that God doesn't show you all the places he's about to take you? You keep saying you want to know. No, you don't. No, you don't. You do not. Right, Kyle and Terrell? You don't want to know necessarily. I mean, if you talk about their last two years, they wouldn't pray for that. You can ask them later. They wouldn't pray for it. Or what you can pray for, God, make me the person you've designed me to be and live to the fullest. That's what I can pray for. But it takes it by slow cooking it, smoking it. My kids, you know, one of the things, let me back up a second. One of the things I loved when I met Brother Paul Sr. years ago, and those of you, I know it's, not, it's out of context for many of us, so I'm, I apologize for that. But one of the most impactful people I ever met in my life in 1990, and he lived eight more years to be 65 years old, almost the age I am. 65 years old and he died. But what I learned from him in those eight years, from a distance in some ways, real close, up close, because he was two hours away from me in another church, But what I watched him do was two things that I took away from it. A lot of things. I learned not the art, that's the right word, but sayings that stick with people. They had enough time that it makes sense in a situation where people later go, oh, I remember that and this applies here. And if you're going to do that, and then every time I, and most of you know, I'll say, you know, Brother Paul used to say, how many of you know I say it over and over like a thousand times? I'll say it in a, just a conversation somewhere. I'll just, you know, Brother Paul used to say this. And every time I think about Brother Paul, I, I get this good feeling. I get this encouragement. I get this fond memory. Because what I loved about what he did is the second thing, he tried to live a life that when you did remember him, it was a good thing.
It meant more than, oh, there's a good saying. He said, no, it took you back to a lot of other things. It took you back to watching him work with all the homeless people. It took you back to, it takes you to a different place. Because when you remember him, it's not just the saying, it's the man's life. And that's done over years. That's not a microwave. I mean, in our family. And what I learned was I started it in my family, and I've done it in other places with our youth group and different things. One of the things we do is campfires, as many of you know that. I don't know if we have that picture up there. We do a lot of campfires and sit around, and, and, we, and we pray together, and we, and, we, and we dream together. This church is a product of sitting around Usury Park in a campfire. Somebody's praying for us right there. And, uh, and we're sitting there dreaming. And what I love about campfires, how many of you love campfire cologne? Right? If you go camping for three or four days, man, everybody smells the same, right? You smell like campfire. Is there not an amen to that? Come on, there's got to be. You know what I'm talking about. You don't even take a shower. Who takes a shower here? We all smell the same. But we go do that campfire there. We wash everything when we get home, don't we, Jim? We wash the blankets. We wash everything. We leave the chairs out. There's something about that smoke that just starts permeating everything. Like a fine aroma. And fragrance. You know what I did learn over the years? That camp smoke smells great when you're out there. But when you get home and your hair smells like it, you go take a shower. Okay. You do start changing. But you know what? I want my kids someday when, we're, when, they're, when I'm third or fourth going, maybe it's great grandkids, and them saying, you know, I remember when we used to sit around campfires. It was G-Pop's desire that we have these in our life. And when they think of me, it's fond. It's encouraging. It's not just a campfire. It's a story. And who knows in the middle of that story, in the middle of that moment, in the middle of that time, 60, 70 years from now, maybe, just maybe in that moment, there's a little bitty little kid that's 10 years old, hears a story and go, hey, maybe. Or one of my kids or grandkids are in the middle of something and all of a sudden they hear something about encouragement. I'm not trying to live for one lifetime. I'm trying to live for multiple ones. Not a, not a cat. I don't like cats. Not nine lives. Just multiple ones. Third or fourth generation. Right, Al, you don't, you don't get where we're getting to today without sitting at 11 o'clock at night in the gymnasium in North Little Rock, Arkansas with a chair pulled up beside your double-high mattress and Al saying, hey, can we talk at 11 o'clock at night? And I've been up since 5 in the morning because I love him. And I want us to get somewhere. And I want us to move forward. And God's doing a great work in his life right now. And we'll, we'll hear more about that as we go. It's not just me. I'm not saying that. But you're planning. You're, you're taking the time. And you're looking at him going, you're the only person. It's not transactional. It's transformational. You're the only person that matters right now in this moment. One of the things I do with my kids, I have a song that I sing with my kids that I want them someday way out there. I, don't, I didn't sing it with the youth group kids, did I? Just my kids and my grandkids, and they hate it. It's okay. But it's this song right here. Turn it up. Thank you. When I was a little bitty baby, my mama would rock me in the cradle. And now my cotton field back home. 
Credence Clearwater Revival because they have revival on their name. I just figured that fit. You guys would be okay with it. Okay, don't go look up CCR and all that. Okay. Two different places in the world, I would say. Yeah, we're around from Texarkana. I was in Adelaide, Australia, weren't we, Janet, at a lunch? And the guy goes, oh, I know cotton fields. I'm at a gas station in Little Rock, North Little Rock, Arkansas, working with his brother Paul, and there was a guy that was a homeless guy that rode around the neighborhood with a stick, a stick on his head, balancing this stick on a bicycle that would ride our neighborhood. He'd come out there and talk to all the kids. And I was at a gas station one day, and he'd come up and say, hey, hey, man, hey, Kurt. He said, I, I, need, I need $5. And I said, I said, for what? He goes, well, I, I need to buy some Gatorade. Are you lying to me? You don't need Gatorade. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go buy it for you. He said, but I want to teach you the song. And I said, okay. I said, I'll go buy you the Gatorade. That, and I came back out. I said, Gatorade was not what you were wanting. He goes, no, nah, not really, but that's okay. I said, I still get the song? He goes, he goes, yeah. When I was a little bitty baby, and he and I and this homeless guy sat out in the parking lot of a gas station in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and sang that song together. That song has a lot of meaning, but the biggest thing is it's intentional. That I want them to be a pause moment. In my kids' life, you can say, oh, this is arrogant, Kurt, that you want to. No, I want the, but what I want them to do, though, is live a life in such a way that's been slow cooked, that's learned, that never stopped moving up the ladder, that they look back and go, okay, when I think about him, when I think about her, is more than a song. It was a pause moment about a life. that lives way past the 60, 70, 80 years here. And not just in eternity for heaven, we all. Church on fire. According to the power that is at work within you. That verse goes on to talk about generations. Talked about a little bit last week, where it's carried on. A few years ago, and I'll get out of here. A few years ago, we did a, a few years ago, 30 years ago, we used to do, in the youth group in Texarkana, we didn't have a budget. We didn't have zero dollars. So we had to raise everything we did. And we got to travel all over the country. And we did all kinds of crazy stuff. And because we raised enough money. But one of the things we did, we did a barbecue every year. And this barbecue would feed 1,000 people. Okay, and that 1,000 people, those meals were delivered. They didn't come to us. We actually packaged them up put them in vehicles, and we delivered them within a two-hour window all across the city of Texarkana, a thousand of them. We made bukus of money. The downside, then, was brisket. We made brisket and chicken. You'd get both, and we would start cooking that brisket 72 hours ahead. I mean, big, we're talking huge slabs of brisket on these big old cookers. We got the cook picture of those kind of cookers. This is not the one, but those kind of cookers. So we'd have two of those out there. You're talking about smoking up the area, man. For three days, all of our neighbors around our church smelt that. And we would sit out there. To, I had students stay up with me. for. I, I was awake 72 hours straight. That's literally the truth. 
to get this done. Because you had to go turn the thing. You had, I had these students out there. We'd be playing basketball at 3 in the morning out there outside having basketball. It was the time of my life. I just, Jan, I'll say, it was, it was awesome. Now, there's other kind of cookers in the state of Arkansas. It looks kind of like that. I was telling Allie a while ago, I said, I don't know if this is a crude thing or not. Show the other picture, you know, from the little town of Wicks, Arkansas. I love cookers. And, and no, nah, just don't show it. Don't show it. Don't show it. Don't show it. I'm, I backed out. I backed out. Don't show it. It's for a good. I'm glad it's gone. But we finally had to stop. We finally had to stop doing the the barbecue after two or three years. I don't remember what. Because one of our students, after that 48, almost 60, 62 hours straight awake, he drove home. At three in the afternoon, crashed his car. Bam. He was in a hospital for a good little bit. We decided after that, even though we were slow cooking, we weren't just slow cooking meat, we were slow cooking relationships. We were having moments. You know, and Chris, I've told people, Chris, Chris Moser's his name, and his wife, Lindley, they, uh, we used to call him Doogie, Doogie Hauser, because he looks like him. And I'm going to show a picture of him here, but now they're pastors. Uh, they're pastors in the Church of the Nazarene. After all those years, they plant churches all across. That's Utah there where they've been there now, just moved to Pennsylvania. And when I look at that, it came out of not his life. His dad was a pastor too. I'm, I'm taking very little credit, but what I want to take about, talk about with the relationships. It's like our salvation. We don't ever really know when it pays off for being faithful, to keep moving, to do the best you know in that moment with the best understanding you have. Yeah, sanctification, salvation happens in a moment. The transformation and sanctification happens over a lifetime. And even at 63 years old, I don't know what all that is. And I don't really want to know. I know pieces. See, the reason I push back sometimes on retirement in my life, besides the fact I don't have money, other than that, other than that, I'm just kind of leaving that page open. I don't know what that is. I just want to make sure wherever I am, it's where I'm supposed to be. Is that where I'm supposed to be? Have I done the best along the way to not tell God where I'm supposed to be, but to follow what I believe he's prompted me to be? Not do. He'll figure out the do. I need to lean into who the be is. And be happens. God's not, more, more, God's not near as concerned about what you're going to do, but who you're going to be. And that comes by slow cooking over a long, long, long period of time. Do you get some victories along the way? Sure. Do you get to enjoy it along the way? Obviously. I say obviously, but to me it's obvious. You do. But it's intentional. Part of it. But the other part of it is being able to recognize which one do I microwave and which one do I slow cook. Yes, I know we were even talking about this morning. We were putting these up here, or I was putting, we were bringing them in here. 
I said, the great thing about, like, if you slow cooked a relationship, then a microwave can reheat it. But it can't cook it. That's the reason why going to camp, revivals and things of that nature die out so soon, I think. Because they thought the microwaving in that moment was the actual transformation over a lifetime. They couldn't tell the difference between the two. Be able to recognize what should be microwaved. Be able to recognize what should be slow cooked. For today, it is with great honor and privilege to get to be a part of something. If a church is on fire and living into the fullness of what God has for them, It should be celebrating this even more than we are today, but we are excited for what we are going to get to do today and baptize two of our folks. Again, I want you to know this is not just they're getting baptized. This is a community thing. This is us together. They've reached this stage because of the Konania. Yeah, a lot of things and a lot of things happened along the way, but they're here today because of all the things that have brought him. And yes, what we've got to do in front of them and help them and, and live out in front of them. And you'll hear their story in just a second. I'm going to ask Pastor Dana to come on up. Is it, yeah, that it was a moment that it turned. But there is that moment where you realize we're going to go further. It's going to take a lifetime to make sure what that is. Let me pray for us as they will come and read those. Father, we come before you today and thank you. (sighs) Thank you, Lord, for changed lives. Thank you for the moments that we can recognize you just did something, an epic moment that turned game changer in our lives. But we realize we can't just live there. It's now going to take a lifetime of what that change will mean. And Lord, as we used a silly illustration today in some ways and just slow cooking and microwave. But Lord, I hope in the bigger picture it makes some sense. As much as we want to plan, the word tells us that can be futile if it's not in step with you. Many say we'll be here today and over there tomorrow in James. Who are you, but you're just a mist. If it's your will, Lord, we say, show us your way, and we'll do everything we can to follow. We love you. Thank you for what these stories we're about to hear. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.